Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's going on, hockey fans? Welcome to Casing the League on Believe Network. I am joined by a very special guest, Shukri Wrights, who you may see tweeting about the Boston Bruins. You may even see his work with the legendary Hockey News. You may even see him on, is it 95-1, if I have that correctly? 91-5. Thank you. That was a moment. And, um, and so many other things. You have your hands in a lot of pots. You have great work. You've got great perspective. And I'm just psyched to get a chance to sit with you as a new colleague at Believe Network. And what I call casing the league isn't as creepy as it sounds. We're not really getting into trouble here. We're just getting to the bottom of a couple different topics. The most important topic right now being all things Stanley Cup final playoffs. But first and foremost, we've got to talk about what's going on in Boston. So I saw you're a New York native and you cover the Boston yep. Bruins and the Celtics and all the heartbeat of Boston. Is that ever kind yep. of conflicting? Because I know sometimes like me, my Tampa pride outrages a lot of things sometimes. It's a great question. First and foremost, Casey, thank you for having me on. I mean, it's an honor to um, to be on the podcast and I appreciate the, the humble words and the kind words. Um, no, it doesn't bother me one, one bit because, and I, and I have had the conversation with, people over the years and that is when you're in this industry you cannot allow your bias or your personal rooting interests affect how you do a particular job and i knew when i when i first moved um to boston in february of 2017 that that like being a, a native new yorker of course you're going to be viewed as like oh you're not from here you're like or so forth you wouldn't understand and so forth and you know and and i will tell you that for me, I listen to two of the best national sports talk radio hosts in the country, and Colin Cowher, who I've been listening to since 2005 when he was with ESPN Radio and ESPN at that time, and Jim Rohn, who, who's now with CBS Sports uh, Radio, he has been for the last decade. So I listened to those guys, and, 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 it, and they were actually the inspiration for me to even, once upon a time, host my own national uh, radio show for Pacifica Radio Network. And in which that it allowed me to to step back, pull like you know pull like the the proverbial curtain from of, of the fanhood away and say no 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 no, I'm not gonna come talk to you as a fan. I'm gonna tell you exactly what the hell I, what needs to be said. I want to tell you the truth. If it bothers you too freaking bad, that's not my problem. That is that is a you problem. You need to deal with that that issue on your own time. But I'm here to entertain. I'm here to tell you the truth. Now, with all of that um, being said, I, I've always have had this mindset where I'm not from here, and if and if the fact that me being a Yankee fan, while I while I like the Patriots, Bruins, and Celtics, bothers you, again, that's your problem, not mine's. Because last time I checked, my rooting interest does not have anything to do with my 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 career success, and nor does it have anything to do with me being able to do the job that I do. So. If you want us to get stay stuck on that, that's on you. But as far as anything else is concerned, I'm pretty, I'm like, I'm, I'm damn good at what I do. I love what I do, and I love talking to people, on um, like that also in, in in this industry of work as well about what we do, about what we love, and hey, that brings us to where we are currently talking with Casey about circle. 
<laughs> about some hockey. Well, you said something that I love. Pretty profound. A you problem. Uh, we've got some you problems that's been going on as we watch NBA playoffs, as we watch NHL playoffs, and of course yeah. we're here to talk some hockey. So talk to me a little bit about the temperature in Boston and um, with obviously two tough exits between the Bruins and the Celtics, but more importantly, which one was the hardest exit for either you to stomach or that you felt was the vibe for Boston Bruins and Boston Celtics fans to stomach? Like what was the harder team to watch leave and not make a deeper run or make it to the final? That's a great question. And I got to go with the Boston Bruins, not because speaking as a fan, I'm going to take off my Bruins fan cap and toss it wayside completely for this question. What I am going to do is paint you the picture of why this one was actually a much more difficult exit or collapse, because let's call it for what it is, Casey. Don't, don't serve me honey buns. Serve me steak. That's a little raw. And give, give me some mashed potatoes and ketchup or hot sauce on the side. Like, I, I like it real. But the reason why the Bruins exit was so much harder is because you go back to December. In this city, there was an inkling as to something very special was happening with this Boston Bruins team. Mm -hmm. We didn't know it fully at that time, but we knew in December, I know there was something special with this team that's happened that we have never seen. And, you know, the momentum started to build towards when we got to the Winter Classic, which I was at. And we get to the Winter Classic. The Bruins, they win in, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a thrilling fashion, which Jake DeBrus scores two goals on practically a, 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 broken, a broken leg. And, and he missed a significant amount of time shortly after and the Bruins just kept finding ways to win. And even when they had those those short little lulls in the season, it was like this team is this team is destined to just go on a deep run. And everywhere you turn, whether it was locally on WEI or 98.5 the sports hub, 98.5 the sports hub. I mean, maybe a little bit of a different story, but but wherever you turned, there was conversation. The Bruins, you, you better win the cup. You better win the cup or this is going to be a colossal disappointment. We are waiting for April to get here. In March, all I'm thinking about is can we get to the playoffs already? I'm ready for a deep run. Let's go. The city is ready. We get to April. We get to um, game one. And then we get to game two. And, and then we get to the first round series. And the Bruins have a 3-1 series lead. I remember after game four thinking, Blow them out of the water in game five. Get it done. We'll focus on round two. Whoever that is going to be it's either Tampa Bay or Toronto. Mm -hmm. But not a lot of people were thinking that, hmm, that maybe Florida could somehow make this a series again. I sure as hell didn't. Nope. And if, and if you did, if you're saying that you now did, you are more than likely lying. <laughs> because if you watch the first four games, with the exception of game one, the Bruins absolutely just dominated. Mm -hmm. They dominated the first, the first four games by and large part in which that it was abundantly clear that the Bruins were the better team, even though a couple of those games, they were missing um, Bergeron and Krejci, especially games uh, three and on, on three and, uh, and four. Right. So 
at that point, we get to game five, and we're more than likely, we're, we're likely, well, we're going we're, we're gonna to close it out. Close it out. Let's go. And then the game just got weird. It was back and forth, the classic Alley versus Frazier boxing match, but on the ice. Like, it was just weird. And yep. the momentum, yeah, like, neither team really ever had any sort of, like, momentum, so to speak. Uh-huh. And when you get to the third period and the game is tied, Marshan has the game on his stick. And he misses that breakaway opportunity to score. Mm-hmm. And, and you're just like... Okay, here comes overtime, and then Omar makes the ill-fated play coming out of the crease, playing mm-hmm. the puck in in, 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 the, in the near corner, only for it to be mishandled and scored by the for the Panthers on that errant play. So now it's three two. So you're not thinking this that this team is going to collapse. You're thinking, okay, this was this was a real crappy way to lose this one. Heck. We'll get him in game six. Yep. Game six, the Bruins have the lead not once but twice in this game, in the third period. But Florida, who I have now famously categorized right here on Believe Network on the pass shooting score pod with Anna Connolly and Johnny Lazarus, they are the team that are that are basically they are a death by a thousand cuts. If you understand that reference. You want to yes. the reference, and it's painful if you if you don't. It's be- extremely painful. They just painful. Yeah, like nothing that you could do could could numb away the pain. Oh, you name you know the pain in one spot. Here's another one. Mm. Like it was like no matter what the Bruins did, where they, they just kept coming and they kept coming and they kept coming and they did. So they win Game Six, and now we get to Game Seven. And I made a video. I posted it on Twitter and on Instagram. Probably also as well as TikTok, and I said the pressure's on the Boston Bruins. And at that point, I genuinely felt nervous, very nervous, because oh. the last game seven the Bruins played before game seven against Florida. Guess what game seven that was? Game seven of 2019 Stanley Cup Finals against St. Louis. Yep. Do not remind me. It is still. <laughs> it is. It is. Boston sports PTSD that is never going to go away. It's only gotten worse with time. So we get to game seven, and I'm like, and I'm in Philadelphia at this point. I wasn't in Boston. So I'm like, Lord, it's me. There's one thing I'm asking for, please, just, just, just let us win. Of course, Florida throws the first punch. They go up 2 nothing. Yep. And I'm like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> they're not going to make me angry. They're not going to make me angry. They're not going to do this to me tonight. Crazy scores is 2-1. Pasta scores is 2-2. Pasta scores and now and now he has two goals. It's 3-2. And I'm like, whoo, let's go. We got this. Rewriting. Yeah, we got them cooking. We got them cooking. And then the unforgivable happens. <laughs> the game, the time, the, the game time goal that was scored was 59 seconds remaining. If memory serves me correct, I believe it was Brandon Montour that scored the scored the winning goal. No, no, the tying goal, rather. And I'm just like, when that happened, in the back of my mind, it was like, shoo, they're gonna blow it. 
they're gonna blow it. I'm like, don't you dare! You shut, you shut your ass up right now! Don't you, you shut up! Like they're gonna blow it. They're gonna blow it. We get to overtime, and I'm just like, can we bounce back? Is there a way that this team can bounce back? But once overtime started in Game Seven, I'm like, Florida looked like they just had extra legs when they were out there skating. Yeah, and they, they they were creating a substantial pressure in the Bruins' end, and it was just like, uh oh. I literally was saying, uh-oh. they have to put on their neck. Yep. And all it took was just one lousy goal. One lousy squeaker that I should add. Right. But the Panthers, they're not known for their sexy goals. They're no, known for no. lucky ones bounce. And that's what probably makes it so painful because I, I felt that as the Toronto Maple Leafs took my team out and I'm still sour about it because it wasn't the sexiest goals. It was the things that mm. bounced or, you know, Tavares got lucky, got lucky off the face off circle. And it's just like, <laughs> damn it. How does this happen again and again and again? So I can understand how painful, or as you said, uh, death by a thousand cuts. I love yeah. That. They, they were, they, they were, and they still are, the team that truly resembles death by a thousand cuts because this was a team that would, they were the last team to get into the Stanley Cup playoffs. Yep. And if the, Pittsburgh, if the Pittsburgh Penguins win that last game of the regular season, maybe history is a little different. Just maybe. I don't know, but we will never truly know. But, <laughs> oh, man, just thinking about it, just – uh. I got you all worked up again. I'm sorry to even have to take you through there. We just needed to know what the pulse was like in Boston. And painfully enough, you described it so well to where I feel a little bit of empathy. We are in the same uh, conference here, so I can't feel too much empathy for you. But enough. Enough to reason. Yeah, for sure. So all that to say, though, that you pointed out something that was extremely important, in my opinion that December was where the vibe started to render, hey, this is something special. This is something serious. Now, granted, I cover the Lightning on a more consistent basis. That's my yeah. my coverage team. And yes. the magical years that they had where they made the back-to-back uh, runs and lifted the Stanley Cup, it was almost a surprise. You knew something special was happening, but we didn't feel that magic until March, April. So to have that feeling in your gut December, even January – because, I mean, January, we already knew that they were in. What team was going to catch up with the Bruins at this point? Mm-hmm. Does that lingering anticipation also add in, insult to injury? Did that also make it worse? Because it's like, you know, we knew it was a shoe-in in January. You have four months to sit on the success of what could have been the Boston Bruins. It really does add to it, and here's why. Because, Casey, if you if you knew me back in January – and we and we had collab and we had linked up on social media and so forth. And you saw the content that I was posting then. I was very consistent on this is a team. This is the team to be in the NHL. This was a team that had it all. The best goaltending in the league with between Linus Olmark and, and Jeremy Swayman. This was the best team offensively in the NHL where they they just knew how to get the job done on five on five. If there was a fatal flaw that this team had, it was the power play. They were the number one, the number two um, power play team in the NHL as of jet, as of mid January, behind Edmonton, who had a historic power play this past season, and they just went into this this two month stretch where they just they their power play was more smellier than than a sweaty pair of drawers in midsummer 
that's how bad the, the power play was for the Boston Bruins for a good two-month stretch. So with that being said, that was the only flaw. It, and then Don Sweeney goes out, and they not only do they go out and they get Dmitry Orlov and as well as Gordon Hasper from the Washington Capitals, they went out and they got Tyler Bertuzzi, and I made a video in my bed, in my bed, making a video saying, the Bruins just got Tyler Bertuzzi, and I was laughing my ass off making that video because it was like the deepest team in the league just got three places that ended up working out very well for the team. Mm -hmm. And it's like, okay, who's going to beat the Boston Bruins? I don't see anybody. Oh, hi. You forgot me. Who? The Panthers. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Talking about you. Yeah. (laughs) Like, and and what makes it, what makes it comical is this. And I, and I mean that sarcastically, obviously Mm -hmm. is that after game four, actually, no, not after it was actually during game four. I absolutely called uh, Matthew Kachuk an absolute scumbag oh. because of the the hit that he um, um laid out on Garnet Hathaway. Yeah, and I wasn't a fan of at that time. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, he must have heard what I said. He's been red hot. He got red hot. <laughs> yeah. So, unfortunately. I have said this ever since then that I believe that that Matthew Kachuk found a way to listen to my video said, okay, screw this guy. I'm going to remember your face. I'm going to remember your voice. And he just went on the score train. He did. He went he went on the score train the final three games of the series against Boston. He only got better against Toronto. He only got yeah. better against Carolina. I mean, Carolina, that was basically like, oh, hello, <laughs> it's me. I've been wondering if you knew about me too now. And three out of the four games he scored, the game winning goal. On what planet, Casey, does this happen? Please tell me. So I I, I believe that I must have lit a fire under Matthew Kachuk's ass somehow, some way. But that's been a running theme in the media, though. Living rent free in a player's head to your disadvantage and his advantage. I saw it happen in the NFL a good handful of times and it's like it's translating over to the NHL. So who knows? If he ends up lifting that cup, though, you might want to slide into his DMs and let him know to throw some credit your way. That's for sure. <laughs> I would do it. That People are probably like, save your breath, but I would definitely be like, hey, so that time that I gave you that one fire under your ass, like, you're welcome, by the way. Yeah, exactly. But that brings me to probably the most important question as, because we know the morning phase, it can last a week, it can mm-hmm. last a month, it can last until September. Yeah, it's going to be a while. <laughs> Something that helps me more is uh, kind of figuring out where the chessboard's going to go. What What's the move that's going to put my mind at ease to say, all right, we're bouncing back and we're going to make magic happen all over again, but this time we're not going to fail. GM shuffle, head coach shuffle. You've got all the movements already started a couple weeks ago. Toronto catches a guy. Calgary catches a guy. Uh, Washington on the hunt still. What, are the priority moves that need to happen for this Boston Bruins team so that they can maybe, I don't know, lean into that president's trophy reverse curse for next season? It's a good question because I had someone ask me um, earlier to earlier uh, before I came on the pod on uh, sports map radio in which that, Hey, what do you see the Bruins doing? You know, like to to like to like get themselves ready for the next season. I'm like, 
can I can I just remind you? And this is not directed at you, Casey. But can I remind you that we haven't even got through the Seneca finals? Can I remind you that free agency hasn't even arrived yet? And to, oh, by the way, we still don't know what the caps, the caps, um, uh, cap is going to be for for 2023-2024. We truly do not know. Yep. The hope is that it will go up by maybe two million, maybe. That's if we're lucky. If the NHL doesn't have to ask the players to tap into their escrow, because remember, in case okay. that the fans may have forgotten, um, like basically the league asks the players to to essentially take pay cuts in exchange that we will pay them back at a later time during the pandemic. Yep. The league still got to pay back those players. So let's wait and see what the salary cap looks like for next season. But I'm going to, for the sake of this conversation, because I'm already having a lot of our morning to bed, like prioritize what's something that would make you feel that much better or a little more hopeful after that round one exit? Nothing. Not a thing. Not a thing, because this was the best Bruins team in the history of the NHL. This was the best regular season team in the history of the NHL. There isn't a single move right now that would make me feel hopeful, except historic historic uh, notes that I, I made that went viral um, earlier this this calendar month, mm-hmm. I said that I think it was the day after it, it was the day after mm-hmm. after the Bruins choked in Game Seven and choked away the first round series against the Florida Panthers. And my God, that's all that's all the conversation was in Boston on May first. Bruins choke. Bruins this. Bruins that. <laughs> I said, you know, there is just one silver lining. One at that time. And I and I went back and I looked it up and I and I thought about it. You know, the last two teams to set records and wins and points in their NHL regular season. Who were those last two teams? They were the 1995-96 Red Wings, led by the legendary Steve Eiserman, Vladimir Konstantinov, and, and and company, as well as Nick Lidstrom, who um who was also on that team. And the 2018-19 Tampa Bay Lightning. Yeah. Peter Kucherov. Stamp yeah. the Stammer. Stamkos. Victor Hedman. Alex Kalorn. You also got you can't forget about um Ryan McDonough as well. Oof. And those teams did not win the Stanley Cup that same season. But what did happen though was something that caught my eye. After losing in the Stanley Cup playoffs in 1996 and 2019, respectively, the Red Wings and the Lightning, respectively, both the Red Wings and Lightning went on to win back-to-back Stanley Cups in 1997, 1998, 2020, and 2021, Tampa Bay Lightning. And when I posted it out there, it caught a lot of people's attention. And, of course, as you know, Twitter is successful. It is an absolute pile of garbage. As Colin Coward once famously said, Twitter is loserville. And I happen to actually agree with them, despite the fact that I've made my name on that very platform. But I'm going to call it for what it is. It is Loserville. Mm-hmm. In which that there are people that are saying, you're delusional. You're you're high. Ho, 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 ho. Like, you're way over here. This team is going to suck next year. Oh, my gosh. How could you be so optimistic? Like, how dare you? The drama. I'm like, I'm like um, okay. 
gonna let y'all live and do you. Me, on the other hand, I'm gonna point out facts. That's not those were an opinion, those were actual truths. But mm -hmm. there was one thing that someone did brought up, and I thought they, they actually made a very solid point. They didn't have two cinnamons who were both at the at the like closer to the end of their 30s. That was the only difference, and they were right. But let's just say if Bergeron and Creature say, you know what, next year we'll come back, but it's gonna be our last go-round. Mm -hmm. Now you're working, you're set with your your your, your top your top two cinnamon. Fine. Now, the question is going to become the following. What happens with Garden Hathaway? Right. And what happens with Dimitri Orloff? Because Dimitri Orloff knows that this is going to be his last big contract in the NHL. Mm -hmm. He wants to get paid. And, he, and, and we all know that's not going to happen with the Boston Bruins because, because they're in cap jail right now. Right. So... That question now becomes what happens with Garden Hathaway? Is he going to remain a Bruin? And then also, I would, I would now that I'm finally answering your question, if there's one move that would actually, you know, make me feel mm, somewhat better, I'm like, mm. yeah. <laughs> the answer to that question is if, if the Bruins found a way to sign Tyler Bertuzzi. Because Tyler, Tyler Bertuzzi was so important to the Bruins after his arrival. And I, I said this verbatim the day of the trade. Tyler Bertuzzi, once upon a time, not so long ago, he's a two-time 20-goal scorer and a one-time 30-goal scorer. When healthy, when he's not healthy, he's not as productive for obvious reasons. Right. So when he is healthy, he can score. But you know what else he gives you, though, that the Bruins were lacking heavily in, in recent years up until this season? Greasiness. Rugged hockey, Pretty. toughness, yes, and they need that, and they need to keep a player like Tyler Batuzzi on this roster. Yeah, well, and I couldn't agree more with that either because if you guys end up moving around some defensemen or losing some top defensemen, you're going to need gritty guys like Batuzzi because you're going to need to step up that two way element tremendously to Absolutely. whatever going to happen on the back of the ice there for you guys. So you also gave a lot of fun descriptions with. Mm -hmm what little hope you may or may not have with the dumpster fire that is Twitter with the colorful description of the unfortunate tanking of round one. Give me a song that describes this season for the Boston Bruins or their top player. If the season's too hard, I got something for you. We get to know each other. Music is the way to figure people out. You see people realize I'm weird. I'm I'm I am in the business of entertaining. So, ooh. So, you asked for a song that perfectly describes what the Boston Bruins season absolutely would be described if I were to use a song. I got one for you. <laughs> Unfortunately, I am going to go down a dark path. Oh. And because I can be either really petty or I could really like know how to throw the, the, the lip mask into an open mouth knowing that there's going to be explosive uh, like results but without a single care in the world but with all of that being said there is a song that that perfectly describes it essentially the disappointment of 
2022, 2023 Boston Bruins. And it is this very song that unfortunately I'm going to go and pick this one. The anticipation. <laughs> Beautiful mistakes. Great song. You know? I think that's very beautiful. Beautiful, beautiful mistakes. The blacking out and broken dreams, I think, is all the description to me. Yeah, essentially. Wow. All right. I'm documenting that. Because we're going to see if that even helps motivate and re-encompass fans to realize, you know, you got to listen to that sad song sometimes. That's how you oh, do yeah. it. So, you know, Casey, you know, Casey, one of the things that we know that is true, and I'm and I am going as far as to say this boldly, if you've been in a relationship or you've dated and you listen to a song and it reminds you of that someone, you're like, oh, this song sounds phenomenal. Yeah, great. Oh, but when you break up with that person, you listen to every freaking word, and you're like, ah, you can actually like relate to the words. Well, yeah, you're pissed because you're like, the song knew it the whole time, and I didn't get there until the end. Like that's the part that stresses exactly, me out. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and it's just, it's like a gift and a curse in the same breath. Yeah. It's like the, the song reminds you of that person. When you're happy, but when you when you're broken up and you've moved and you happen to be in the process of moving on, it's like the words are like, oh my god, this words is so true. Double edged like, sword. Oh. It's yeah. the ultimate double edged sword. But we're gonna throw that in the time capsule and we're gonna come back to this like September, October. And yes. I'm turn that song on for you, opening up the show as we discuss the Boston. <laughs> I'll look forward to it. <laughs> Hopefully it's I mean, not triggering. Hopefully it is not triggering. But uh speaking <laughs> of triggering, mm-hmm. does it ever feel weird when you look at the success or the failure of a team right and then you're like damn it he was our head coach a year ago if only and i only point that out because bruce cassidy he had some success with the bruins i think that he kind of wielded his hand in the foundational players and some of the foundational contracts of this team you know Mm -hmm. that just fell out in the rest in the first round and um of course you and i already kind of discussed uh, some success in 2019 or triggering moments of game seven. But uh, what do you think that Bruce Cassidy can pull from his experience and his successful portions with the Boston Bruins and culturally carry that over to the Vegas Golden Knights? Because I don't think the Golden Knights are getting enough respect put on their name for them to be in the Stanley Cup final as a six-year-old team. They're not. And I, and I think that's a great point that you bring up because – this is the second Stanley Cup Finals appearance in their franchise history, and they're only they've only been around six seasons. Right. And we all remember 2018. They were the first team in NHL history, probably the first team in the history of professional sports to, to make it to a championship game slash round in their respective professional league in their first season. Mm-hmm. And I think that run was with a very different cast of players altogether. You yeah. know, you you we, we you could sit here and we talk about guys like for me, 
I remember like Derek England, who was a vital member of that 2017-18 Vegas Golden Knights team, who who was long since retired. Mm-hmm. Um, and you you think of like Mark Andre Fleury, who was once once upon a time a, a Vegas Golden Knight goalie. He's yeah. gone, and <laughs> yeah, and 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 now you look at this Golden Knights roster, and you're like. This team actually just might be better. Not as a matter of fact, the only area where I would say they're they're not as good as it is the goalie, but the goalie has been good enough to get them to where they are now. Yep. But outside of that, the team itself currently, with the way that is constructed, is better than is better now than what it was in 2018. Mm-hmm. You talk about you have Jack Eichel on this squad, he makes your team better. You have Alex Petrangelo. On this team, he's going to make this team better. You have a young Cole Colasar on this team who has been a big part of of the Vegas Golden Knights, like the Golden Knights' success. Mm-hmm. He makes this team better. You talk about the likes of William Carlson, whom throughout his time as a member of the Golden Knights has been a goal scorer. Mm-hmm. And then, oh, by the way, not a big deal. It also happens that you have the one and only Bill Kessel. On this team, he makes this team better. And oh, by the way, no big deal. He won back to back cups with Pittsburgh, and he was a he actually could have been should have been the Colt, the, the um, the Cosmic winner in 2016. That's how good he was. Yeah, so when you have all of these ingredients mixed in together into, into this into this melting pot, you also got to include Bruce Cassidy. Now, we're going to talk about Bruce Cassidy because the one thing that Bruce Cassidy has done probably as well as anybody in the NHL is his ability to motivate and to get the most out of the rosters that he's been given. You saw that time and time again, when he was with the the Boston Bruins, I'll give you a great, a great example of that. You go back to 2016, 17, when he took over in February of 2017, I remember like it was yesterday. He, when he took over after Claude Julian got fired after 10 years, Mm -hmm. he got fired. He comes in. This team, I'm going to be very honest with you, they have no effing business making the playoffs. Right. But they did. This was a team that had some forgettable um, names like John Michael um, Lillies, um, if I remember correctly, um, Lee Stepniak. Oh, uh, gosh. I mean, <laughs> the guys like, I mean, J- Jimmy Hayes, like, like and, and this is no disrespect on his name at all. Like, but these were guys that, Obviously, they didn't they didn't stick around like for much longer shortly afterwards. Mm-hmm. But they this was a team that went to the playoffs. They didn't they didn't get out of the first round against Ottawa, but but Bruce Cassie was a coach that knew how to get the most out of his players. He did the same thing the following season. He did that throughout his time as the head coach of the Boston Bruins. Unfortunately, last last year, for whatever reason, this team it just seemed like this wasn't a bad team the Bruins were last season. They, they weren't a bad team. They were. It felt like this was a team that there was some sort of a disconnect, and it got exposed in the wake of his firing a year ago. And what's, and what's amazing to me is this. <clears throat> Bruce Cassidy was fired in early June. And the Stanley Cup Finals, is go, game one, is going to be right around the same time that he was being let go. Right. And now he goes to Vegas, and he's getting the most out of this squad with arguably an even better roster than he had in Boston, yep. it doesn't surprise me. But what has impressed me is this. 
the defensive structure that they that that Cassie had in Boston, he brings it to Vegas, and and then you turn around and you implement that with the with the guys that you have on that roster, and I and I want to specifically focus on that roster, right? I want to specifically like highlight them for a moment because I think this really gets overlooked in a bad way, and I think it's problematic. But when you talk about like especially the the defenseman and how important like this this defenseman group is like we talk about Alec Martinez, Braden McNabb, Petrangelo, yep. Sh- Shea Theodore, White who, who who was a, an original Vegas Golden Knight when the franchise started in 2017-18. You take that system that Cassie had in Boston, you apply it with these guys. It is scary to see what they have been able to do throughout the season, but especially. During, during this playoff run, it doesn't even surprise me at all. So, honestly, I think it's the system that Cassidy had in Boston and him being able to, to apply with this group, it's, it's been a magical sauce so far. Yes, and I'm so glad that you pointed out the defense because that's kind of where my first take was of what's not being talked about. Now, I've had a few conversations and went on a few radio stations where they asked me about the matchup. And mm-hmm. in their question, they're asking me about the focal success of the Florida Panthers defense. And while I understand that the Florida Panthers defensive men have more time on ice, that's where I realize Vegas Golden Knights are being talked about enough. They've got frame on them. And while the goaltending conversation is up in the air, because that's where the eye test versus statistics comes in. Aiden Hill hasn't had as many games as any of these other goaltenders. So when you look at the save percentage and stuff, you got to average out how many games they've played or, or not played. So that does also come down to the fact of how well this defense has played in front of Aiden Hill. He's made monster saves, exactly. but a lot of it has also come down to the bodies in front of him playing and so Casey, well. You made a point that I I want to I want to amplify even more. So you talked about the defensemen for the for the Vegas Golden Knights. They have in size, mm-hmm. <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Hear this out real quick. As for Transville, six foot three, two fifteen. Um, Shay Theodore, he's six foot two, one hundred ninety seven pounds. Alec Martinez, he's six foot one, two hundred and ten pounds. Um, Brady McNabb, six foot four, two fifteen. So you talk about size, and it matters. So when you're able to have the blue line with size in front of your in front of your netminder, they're able to block shots. They're able to generate chances. Take up space. For those take up challenges. space. That, correct. And you you see you watch Victor Hedman on an everyday basis, Casey. So you yep. understand the importance nice. of of size on the blue line. Yep. This is what this is what Vegas has, and this is why I think, and I'm going to say this now. Mark my words. Watch Game One Saturday night. This is why this matchup between the Vegas Golden Knights defensemen, the blue line, and the and the Florida Panthers four group is going to be a problem for Florida. It's, it really is because I yep. don't think they faced a blue line with the consistent size that Vegas has. That's something that I feel like it's not being talked about enough. A hundred percent. And as you said, I've have I've had a front row seat to one of the largest defensemen out there. I mean, Victor Hedman's like six eight on skates yeah. for crying out loud. Mm-hmm. But watching through contractual issues and of course roster changes in the last three, four, five years, Ryan McDonough was one of the only other guys that kind of matched frame, but he was yeah. broader than Victor Hedman. As we've gone through changes for the Tampa Bay Lightning, the defensemen, you don't have four defensemen that are two hundred plus pounds. 
you've got those guys that are right at the cusp of about 180, 190. They might be six foot. They might be six one. They're offensive defensive men. So the structure that Vegas is working with is so different. And I, you put it perfectly. I don't think it's something the Florida Panthers are going to be prepared for. Now they have a different grit to them. They're having fun playing hockey. They're, they're in a different frame of mind. But when you go against Petrangelo Martinez, guys also who do not blink when it comes to putting their body on the line, you look at their block shots tallies. I mean, Martinez and and Petrangelo alone combined for almost well over 60, 70 block shots. Mm -hmm. And those things have come up in massive moments for the Vegas Golden Knights, helping Aiden Hill be that much better. Because look, when Hill went in versus the Oilers, I was like, well, here they go again. They're going to make a short run in the playoffs and we'll talk about them next year. And he showed everybody that actually, no, screw your eye test. I'm showing up for this team right now. So I love that you had the, the culture concept of what Bruce Cassidy was able to bring defensively. Cause I think that that's going to change the game here, which also just takes me into the most important conversation in my book. When we're talking about Stanley cup finals, mm-hmm. a lot of fans are hurting. I get it. But a lot of fans thought that this was going to be kind of a crappy matchup. They weren't excited about it. They didn't think it was going to be that spectacular. Now there's conversations changing as to what a guy like Matthew Kachuk brings to the game and Eichel and everyone else. Now you've got two point leaders on between these two teams, these two rosters that are American mm-hmm. born. And I love this. How is this going to change and influence the game? Casey, I appreciate you asking this question so much because we had a spirited conversation on the Past Shoot Score podcast here on Believe about that this is like the most southernmost, like southern southwest or whatever you want to call it, Mm -hmm. uh, most Santa Cup final ever. And I actually want to bring up this point that I haven't brought up before anywhere else. Clip it, share it on social media, do what you will. If you ever truly gave a rat's ass about growing the sport of hockey, now is the time to actually tune in and watch this series. Yes. I want you to, to, to really honestly think about this for a moment. As much as people want to talk and run their freaking mouths about, we need to make hockey for everybody. We need to grow the sport of hockey. Okay. Tune into Florida versus Vegas. Yep. Actually, don't don't tell don't tell me on social media how much you care or how much you don't care because you tell me you, like you don't care. It tells me you never gave a rat's ass about the about the growing the sport the way the way that you thought that you did. Absolutely. But now, this is your chance to tune in. Yeah. As far as what you just mentioned about Matthew Kuchuk and Jack Eichel, two American-born players playing in the Santa Cup um, Finals for the first time, this is phenomenal. This is phenomenal because Jack Eichel, as we all know, he was in hockey purg- purgatory for a number of years and playing in Buffalo. No disrespect yeah. to the Sabres, but that's just call it for what it is, mm-hmm. or what it was, rather. But And remember, oh, when he got traded, the drama behind the trade was as if, like, the, 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 the surgery that he ball. had on his, yeah, the surgery that he had was not approved by, by the team, and he had to go outside of the organization to get the surgery done because he knew that if if I'm going to have a, a career, if my career is going to be resuscitated from mm-hmm. this injury, I have to get this surgery done. He was right. Now, him being traded to Vegas, at the time it was like, yo, how are they how are they able to get away with this? Yep. They just got Jack Eichel. And I and I and I literally said to myself, wait till it gets healthy. When he gets healthy, watch out. 
It may not happen right away because if you remember at the beginning, first couple of months of the season, he was rusty. Yes. Like, yeah, like he, he was rusty. For, for it. Correct. For sure. mm-hmm. He was, he was rusty. I said, he's coming back from a serious injury. Be patient. He'll show up. Yep. He'll show up, especially later in the season. Sure enough, he did. They're in the Stanley Cup playoffs. He's been a big factor for, um, for the Vegas Golden Knights. And you talk about like just the importance of, of, um, of, of Jack Eichel and what he's been able to do for this team. You can't you can't overlook that. And I think one of the things that's really impressive to me is not just the play on the ice, it's the leadership that he's also brought to the locker room as well. Yeah. Because we obviously know having Mark Stone healthy has been also a very criminally underrated factor about why the why the Golden Knights are back where they are. This is it. Because Mark Stone is healthy, and when he's healthy, he's he's truly one of the best centers and one of the best forwards. Two for it's in, in in the sport, yep. and going back to to Jack Eichel, the guy who grew up here locally in Massachusetts, here in New England, and you talk about Matthew Kachuk, who who's the son of a former NHL player and and, and, and Keith Kachuk, who I remember for many many years, especially when he when, when he played it on with the St. Louis Blues in the early two thousands, and. His brother is a captain of the Ottawa Senators in Brady Kachuk. Yep. All of them play a very similar brand of hockey. They're skilled, but they have an FU mentality and an FU attitude when they're on the ice. Yep. They okay. take no prisoners. And now <laughs> you having these two American-born players playing on the on hockey's biggest stage, I feel as if that this is going to inspire kids from all across the United States in which that we both know this is not a hockey country. Football right. is the number one sport in this country. Let alone Florida. To, being a Florida, a, Florida is SEC country. Right. No, I, I, listen, if you, if you were to spend the next half hour talking SEC football or NFL football, I could do that easily because this mm-hmm. is what I do. But it's not a hockey hotbed. But right. now – with the Florida Panthers in the Stanley Cup playoffs, and you look at the players that they ha- they have on that roster, headlined by Matthew Kachuk, who, by the way, how amazing is hockey? He was the centerpiece of a massive trade blockbuster last summer. Yep. In which Jonathan Huberdeau got sent over, Eric Wigard got traded over, and Matthew Kachuk was the guy that got that got sent over. Who's laughing now? It's funny how it works. And yep. you talk about Jack Eichel and Matthew Kachuk. This is this is a perfect opportunity for, for both players to really shine on, on this stage and to help grow the, the sport of hockey here in the United States. Mm-hmm. And to just, like, build off of that, because you talked about the fact of, you know, Kachuk being on the chopping block, who's laughing now. You end up in Florida, which Florida still gets, you know, garbage mm-hmm. for claiming to be a hockey town, even though, look, we are, we're doing the hockey. Yeah, it's mm-hmm. a hockey town now. But to have the Tampa Bay Lightning make that three Stanley Cup appearance and start to change that culture or contribute to the change in the culture, and then you get another Florida team in the mix there, that's where I can't help but root for Florida and their success in them getting this far because you're continuing to change the narrative. The developmental yeah. style and, and the development camps here in Florida have changed. You can meet a kid that's 10, 12, 11 years old, and he can actually realistically talk about wanting to play hockey in the state of Florida. That's Huge, huge. Because as somebody who grew up as a military brat, 
I think I found hockey when we landed in the backwoods of Apopka and it's because you played tennis here, you figure skated or played hockey. My parents threw me in figure skating. I clearly didn't play hockey, but Mm. my mom's best friend's son did. And that was my first exposure to hockey. And it kind of stuck with me because I was like, oh my gosh, what is this brutal, but beautiful sport that I get to watch? Any guy I know that was good, that probably could have had a chance to have a story by the time that they were 13, 14 years old and making those big decisions that guys up north make between lacrosse and hockey and whatever, whatever, there was no respect to it. There was no realistic journey. Now guys can have that real conversation and say hockey and mean it and have a developmental camp that's one hour, two hour, 45 minutes away and dream this dream and it's within reach. And that's where I think the biggest um, – takeaway from this is whether you like the opponents or not. And I think it's tremendous that Eichel as well as Kachuk are two guys. I mean, Eichel, the adversity that he came over, Kachuk, he might be an asshole on the ice, but he is so humble in his post-game pressers. And he was so choked up when they asked him what this journey was like for his dad to know that he's doing something that his dad didn't get a chance to do. Although his dad had his own legendary moments and 500 goals is nothing to take lightly. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And he still felt so emotionally tethered to, to carry this journey on behalf of his dad. So you still see a very humble guy in the mix of all of this. So I think you're seeing two very great examples, leadership examples, um, motivators, inspirers on top of somebody who's saying, hey, you can make hockey your thing, whether you live in Florida, America, or whatever the case may be. So that brings us to the less lighthearted portion. <laughs> oh, yeah. You got to get to the the nitty gritty. This matchup, you've got the Florida Panthers, who, in my personal opinion, I think that they just have the ability to outwork their opponent. They seem like they just don't tire. They seem Mm -hmm. like 60 minutes of hockey is nothing to them. They're never counted out of the game, and they're 3-0 for making comebacks when they're tied after the second period, which is hard for a lot of teams to do. Then you have this Vegas Golden Knights team where – It's cute to talk about Eichel. That's great. William Carlson, 10 goals. But it's that Jonathan Marchessault, who never had respect on his name when he was posting points in the AHL, got his time with the Tampa Bay Lightning, got dismissed by the Florida Panthers. Now he's with the Vegas Golden Knights. That's a sneaky guy that's got a chip on his shoulder. Then you've got uh, Barbashev, who I think him and Matthew Kachuk added on the ice. I think that they're going to get under each other's skin. I think Kachuk's going to try to get in his head, and I think Barbashev's going to show him the muscle. So now you get down and you pull the layers of the top talked about guys on these teams. We get to the depth a little bit. Who has the edge? I'm glad you brought up about um, Ivan, even Barbershop, because if you ask me what was the most impactful move that the Vegas Golden Knights made um, out around the trade deadline, it was actually making the deal to get him from the St. Louis Blues because Unfortunately, it was four short years ago that he was a vital part of that St. Louis Blues team that beat the Bruins in the Santa Cup Finals, and he was a very critical part of that of that St. Louis Blues um, D, um, D car. You talk about Petrangelo, former St. Louis Blue. He was a captain on that team, and as well as uh, um, Carlton Pareko as well. But even Barbashev is someone that I I think a lot of hockey fans who really didn't recognize just how good he really is. Yep. You're, you've seen it during these playoffs. And you talk about a Panthers team that never, ever 
gives up. They are they are relentless. They they have they have a goaltender in Sergey Bobrovsky that has that has played like he is Jonathan Quick 2012 all wow. over again. And but I will tell you this though. One thing that has stood out to me about <laughs> about this Panthers team and I will give them a world of credit is that this is a team that I absolutely I didn't really understand it at first, but I but I realized that th- that their their decor is so nasty. It's like so it is it's disgusting just how like how like how good this decor is for this Panther team and, and how vital they have been for um like for, for this team during this playoff run. I mean, listen, if we're gonna talk about uh, the decor, listen. Definitely talk about Brandon Montour because he has been an, one of the big unsung heroes for this team. Swiss Army Knife. Yeah, Swiss Army Knife. But then also, a guy who I genuinely dislike, but I give him a, a world of credit for the fact that he brings a, a level of attitude, Raquel Gudis. Raquel oh. Gudis is a guy that – I think of that moment of him yelling out in, in, the, in, the, in the face of, 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 of Toronto's netminder like <laughs> during that series against Toronto – that sticks with me. That really sticks with Terrifying. me. Like, because he's too quiet, and then when he does pipe off, it's just like, whoa, he's yin yeah. and yang in one body. That's that's dangerous person. Absolutely. And what's and the thing that I find to be like uh, to to me uh, astonishing about the Florida Panthers is they're just so they're so freaking balanced with scoring. It's not just one guy that's getting the job done. You got to talk about. The importance of Nick Cousins um, for the Panthers during this playoff run, the yeah. importance of Sam Bennett during this um, this playoff run. You talk about Sam Reinhardt, another one as well, who has been extremely important in scoring time and goals for um, for this team. And then also, Carter Verhage. Can, can, can we can we give Carter Verhage some love? The man scored forty two freaking goals. Yep. He was only one of two players on this team that scored forty plus goals. The other and one being Matthew Kachuk. Last season for playoffs, like he's been there for playoffs, leading the charge before Matthew Kachuk got there, right in his first two yeah. years. Mm-hmm. Like, so, yeah, like this was a guy that has ha- had already that pedigree that was that that was being built for going from last season, and now mm-hmm. this season he's just elevated his game to a whole nother level. But but Florida, they they are they are truly a, a, a team that, that resembles death by a thousand cuts. But as I talked about earlier in this pod about the Vegas Golden Knights decoy and the size that they possess and how critical it has been in terms of the shot blocking, this is this is going to be one hell of a matchup. And I really feel as if that the goalies are going to play a factor, yes, but I don't think the goalies are what's going to determine the series. Oh, what I do think is going to determine the series between the Panthers. And the and the Vegas Golden Knights special team, special teams. Well, Florida which, has to get hand there. Vegas which, teams is garbage ish. <laughs> that I, was to soft, I was trying to soften it. It just rolled out of my mouth, and I was like, "That's kind of hard." <laughs> Relax. Like they haven't even started playing yet, and you're not even giving them some credit. Their percentages just are not looking too hot in comparison to the Panthers. There we go. <laughs> like the Panthers. On like in terms of the oh, the the penalty kill and even and even like the the power play during this playoffs, oof, I'd be very very careful of going to the sin bin, no right. pun intended to the sin city, but 
But man, when I tell you, when, when I tell you, like when I look at both of these teams, and, and you, if you're gonna ask me, like how many games do I think this is gonna go? I have a feeling it's gonna go six games. Ooh. It's gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna go back and forth. It's gonna be six games, and then stick a pin in gonna... that though, because I'm gonna let you elaborate on that in just a moment. Because we're gonna get go to ahead. the betting, we're gonna get to the betting portion here. Because you gotta give, you gotta give the fans some some inspiration, some direction, and. uh I'll explain that in a second, but I couldn't agree more. I think that the defenses are going to play a huge role in this. Where I do get nervous is that the Florida Panthers defensemen have more of an offensive element to their game, not only because Montour was just demonic coming out of round one, heading into round two. It's mm -hmm. also the contributing factor that is Forsling. People forget that he just sneaks in there and contributes here and there to the goal tally, and him as well as Montour are top five defensemen for time on ice, which just goes back to the fact that this team motor just keeps going and going and going. Uh, they sit well over 22 minutes of time on ice where you've got Petrangelo and Martinez that are at 18 minutes. So I wonder if that's something that's going to come into play as a toss-up here. But let's just get into the next most fun part, if that's not an oxymoron. We'll figure that out <laughs> post-editing here. Or my parents are like, you were raised better than that. You know how to put sentences together. <laughs> so <laughs> on Casing the League, we do – Cash it, case it, or cut it. Cash it means we vibe. We both love the bet. We're going to go yeah. with it. This like this works. Case mm -hmm. it means you need to look into it a little further. Phone a friend, Google it, tweet somebody. I don't know. You're just not jumping off the deep end quite yet. And then mm -hmm. cut it means it's not it. Let's move on. And we won't even talk about it further. So I've got five best bets between the conversations that I've seen on Twitter, between the conversations I've had over the last week about this matchup. So the first one we're going to go to to get your opinion is right here. Vegas Golden Knights win the series at a minus 125. Do you cash this, case it, or cut it? What's your vibe? I, I'm going to go and cut it because I do think that this is this Golden Knights team, they, <laughs> this is a team that in more ways than one, I think that they are going to really open up a lot of eyes this series. And like, but I do think that there's something magical about these Panthers where it just feels like there's a there's a team of destiny aspect. Mm -hmm. I mean, although the minus 125 like looks appealing, but I want to say cut it. Like All right. definitely cut it. Definitely cut it. I, I will say the value kind of got me a little bit. I can get sucked into that, but yeah. you had a more logical approach. So mm -hmm. we'll circle back to that. But then we got to talk about the guys who are going to pick up the most goals throughout the series. Now, Ooh. I know Matthew Kachuk leads his team with nine goals. Then you got William Carlson leading his team with 10 goals, which he picked up in mm -hmm. this last game versus Dallas. Yep. But then you also got those sneaky guys that we talked about with not enough credit on their name, which is Carter Verhage. Kachuk's line comes in clutch, but they're not sitting that high in the total between Bennett and Cousins. The problem, though, is that Vegas Golden Knights, Carlson just broke that tie. So Mark Gisot is shortly behind him. Chandler Stevenson's shortly behind him. Mark Stone right there. Who do you think is going to score the most goals? Would you cash this, case it, or cut it? William Carlson, most goals in the series at a plus 1,300. Oh, that is tough because I actually have Matthew Kachuk as the favorite to score the most goals in this series. Ooh, so, cool. yeah, it's like that's a tough one. But I I would say cut it for this one as well because I just – I go back to Matthew Kachuk and his clutch factor. And although William Carlson has been 
like among like the like the, the team leader and goal scorer on this postseason for the Vegas Golden Knights. I I've got to go with Matthew Kachuk. He's going to lead the series in scoring for the Florida Panthers. More consistency out of Kachuk. Now you can change your mind if mm-hmm. this seems more appealing or a safer bet because now it takes us to the point god, which I think the point gods are so important. <laughs> in the series plus 240 so if you knew that this was an opportunity take him to be the point god and carlson to score the goals would you change your mind would you case this cash it or cut it oh uh, i gotta cash this one. Ooh, i'm gonna i'm gonna cash it oh man because the reason oh man this is just too sexy to like oh i, I gotta I, I got to i got to i got to between the goals and as well as the um the assists I mean, because like apart from Kachuk being able to um, to score goals, he's definitely a dynamic playmaker as well. So it wouldn't surprise me if he has the most points in this series between the two teams of any player. Yeah. And then you just can't look away from how he closed out the series versus the Hurricanes. I mean, four seconds, 0.3 seconds left. I mean, I would flinch if it were me. Clearly, that's why I don't play hockey or play any sports. (laughs) But I was a collegiate athlete once upon a time. The pressure didn't kill me all the time. But then you also look at the fact that he's always getting in getting in on the action for one. And then between the two teams, he leads in points regardless of what Eichel has done. Eichel's sitting at 18. He's sitting at 21. And um, Matthew Chuck's just – he's on a whole different level right now. Oh, yeah. So next bet, series goes to six games. This is why I had to stick a pin in it because I'm like, I think we're on the same wavelength here. So at a nice value of a plus 205, cash it, case it, cut it. I'm going to go case it. Ooh, we're investigating now. Oh, yeah. Do you I, want to def- phone a friend? Do we want to tweet this one out and get some feedback? Tweet it out. Google. Tweet okay. it out. Absolutely. I, I do think the series is going to go six games. I do have the, the Panthers winning in six. Um, mm-hmm. but the but just overall, like the length of the series is always definitely going six games. It, it's going to the temperature is going to intensify by the time we get to games two and three. Yeah, like because I just feel like there's so much will between these two teams. There's going to be so much battle. Vegas is not going to go down easily, and nor mm-hmm. will the Florida Panthers. I just feel like this is definitely going to go at least six games. Yeah, I was feeling six two, and then what also pushed me to six was the fact that you've got a Florida Panthers team that's so hot on the road, and then you got a Vegas team that loves to put on a show. I mean, it's Vegas, baby. Why not? So I probably obviously know part of your answer on this one, but Vegas wins game one. Florida wins the series at a plus 400 value. Cash it, case it, cut it. Cash it. Vegas, I could see winning game one at home. Florida, I I did just say that I think they'll win the cup in six games. Mm-hmm. But I also do know that Vegas had, they won game one in 2018, only to lose four in a row to the Washington Capitals. So I do see uh, history repeating itself just a little bit here instead of it being five, because I think it happens in six games. Absolutely. Um, my face is frozen in the most attractive way possible, but it's fine because we're wrapping up here. So as long as you can still hear me. I can hear you perfectly. <laughs> that bet sequence worked out perfectly. I did find it uh, more of an attractive bet to say that Vegas can take game one. Um, Because the Florida Panthers, they don't flinch. So even if they don't come out and command that first game, their comeback is what's going to be terrifying and obviously make for great hockey. So um, 
I can't thank you enough for joining me. I can't thank you enough for great conversation and just great perspective. Obviously, as you said, you're great at your job and that's for a number of reasons. Please let everyone know where they can find your work, even though I raved about it in the beginning and then your Twitter handle also. Uh, thank you, uh, Casey, for having me. This was really spectacular. This was a lot of fun. Like I enjoyed it thoroughly. And, um, and you can follow me on Twitter at Shukri Writes. Um, you can follow me on TikTok at Shukri Writes as well. S Writes Radio underscore on Instagram. Uh, you could find me on uh, on also on the Believe Network. I host the, the Believe in the Hub of Champions podcast. New episode is out now as well as um, the Past Shoot and Score podcast as well here on, on Believe Network as well. I also um, broadcast and commentate games on ESPN Plus as well. So like that's that's where you can find me. Busy, busy guy, but you've earned it. And that's the best of the best because we're in the Stanley Cup playoff finals. You've got great shows out on Believe and everyone wants to stay up to date on this. So be sure to go follow not only on all the Twitter handles, but Believe Network so you can stay up to date on all the other great shows that they are hosting on yes. BelieveNetwork.com, including this one, Casing the League, where we get into all NHL hot topics, headlines, and best bets. And until next time, guys, I'm your host, Casey Hudson. Thank you so much for joining me here on Casing the League, and I'll catch you next time.